Huey Lewis and the News thought the power of love is a curious thing, but it might just save your life. That's, that's pretty good. And Archie Roach agreed, uh, and he recognised that the only thing that'll save our country is if we let love rule. Love is so important that the Apostle John said the one who doesn't love doesn't know God because love is central to God's nature. And we're going to read, if you're following along, uh, 1 John, the first epistle of John, chapter 4. Notes are in your uh, app, and uh, there's notes on the newsletter, back of the newsletter. Managed to get it in early enough this week as well. So, 1 John, chapter 4, just reading verses 7 to 10. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. If the Greeks had eight words for love, what did John actually mean when he said that God is love, though? Uh, Sort of a cluster of about four words that were most important uh, to the Greeks. One was uh, phileo, which was the affection between friends. And... The New Testament, uh, Jesus actually used this word when he said that anyone who loves family or friends more than they love me, phileo, isn't worthy of the kingdom of God. Eros was the desire between lovers, probably not what John's talking about here. Uh, There was a word called storge, it doesn't actually appear in the New Testament, but it was the bond between families, particularly children and parents and then there's the love that John uses it's most common in the New Testament and if you've been around church for any length of time you probably know that John was talking about what the Greeks called agape or agape or however that's pronounced interestingly apparently agape wasn't a particularly important word to the Greeks Uh, it was often used as a bit of a catch-all. And in fact, if you read the Greek translation of the Old Testament, they used agape everywhere. That, that's the word for love, regardless of what sort of love is being discussed uh, in, in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it becomes the definition of Christian love. To give us a bit of an idea of, of what this sort of love connotes, The Latin equivalent was caritas, uh, and from that we get the idea of charity. Caring for the poor, that unconditional loving of another. And in fact, in uh, chapter 3, verses 17 to 20, John says that we can be assured of the truth, that we're in the truth because of our acts of love, not just our words, he says, if anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, 
but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. And this is how we will know that we belong to the truth and we will will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. This is how we know that we belong to the truth by loving in action, not just in words. So acts of love, what has become known as charity, when done from a place of love, is actually really important. It's really vital to Christian faith. And yet, this isn't the heart of Christian faith. So what is at the heart? What is love? What is Christian love? And John actually gives us a definition in our reading today. The meaning of love is Christmas and Easter. John says, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so in John's gospel, he puts it this way, you're probably familiar with John 3.16, which says, for God loved the world in this way, pardon me, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the world in this way. He gave. Love doesn't begin with us. It begins with God. And we see it in his gift. God gave as an act of grace, unconditionally and totally. Christian love isn't really love unless it has hands and feet, but that isn't the heart of it. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Love begins with God because he's the source of love. Now, of course, Christians don't have a monopoly on love. Um, Although a substantial part of our culture of charity, particularly in the West, was shaped by Jesus' teachings. But even so, you'll probably know many non-Christians who also love self-sacrificially. And we would kind of expect that because each of us uh, as, as people are made in the image of God. And so we can expect to see God's love echo through all of creation, all of humanity. But if God is the source of love, then we can't know the true depths of love unless we know God. Even as Christians, sometimes we twist love. So there's uh, another word that the Greeks had for love. It was called philautia or philatia. It's a long time since I did Greek. And this is a self-love. And this can be a negative self-love, like narcissism, someone who's wrapped up in themselves and and thinks they're wonderful. It can also mean something a bit more positive, like self-esteem, having a healthy self-image. It's also not in the Bible, but uh, there's something of a a movement in in Christian circles that seems to revolve around this, and it kind of goes 
about the idea that Jesus said that we are to love others as we love ourselves and therefore if we're to love others more we must love ourselves more. The problem with that is that self-love then becomes the focus and, and, and it's as if this loving myself is the source of loving other people. In fact I once went and heard a speaker who uh was otherwise pretty good, but at the end of his message, he's talking about this, about self-love, and he said, everyone, give yourself a hug. Yeah, my friend and I didn't. <clears throat> and the speaker noticed it wasn't a big meeting. Now, psychologists do, of course, tell us that self-esteem is important. We need to have a healthy self-image. Uh, we do need to have a, a healthy love of self but it really needs to be in its right place and there's no end of advice out there on loving yourself and some of it's sort of trashy pulp uh, pulp advice uh, self-help advice and some of it's serious psychology that's worth listening to but a lot of it again begins with me it begins with how I can raise my self-esteem I become the focus of my attention. From a Christian perspective, the beginning of self-esteem, the beginning of seeing ourselves in the right way doesn't begin with me. It doesn't actually begin with me loving myself and this is the wonderful thing. Because there are times I don't like myself, how am I meant to love myself? On the other hand, there are times I'm already thinking too much about myself so why would I want to do that more but love begins with God it begins with knowing God and when I'm wrapped up in God's love looking to his love and realizing his love for me and for all of us in sending Jesus then we can find healing when we need that and we can find the right perspective to understand ourselves not through the eyes of condemning ourselves not from the uh, through the eyes of comparing ourselves to other people not through the eyes of trying to tell myself how good I am but through the eyes of grace the eyes of God's love so if we want to grow in love and who here doesn't think they need more love? To be more loving and to experience more love. If we want to grow in love, the kind of love that changes the world, whether that means developing a healthy self-esteem or whether that means growing in our low, uh, capacity for charity, for our ability to love others, the starting place is in ourselves and it's not even others begins with the baby in the manger God's love was revealed among us in this way God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him God gave and as we receive his power we find the capacity the power to give to love as he did and so as we contemplate the love that that God has revealed in Christ to us this Christmas um, 
may we know this power and may the prayer that Paul prayed to the Ephesians be ours as well. I'm going to read that. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. It says, I pray that God may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that love is not found, first of all, in ourselves. We thank you we don't have to dredge it up or conjure it up. We thank you we don't have to use ourselves as a standard or others as a standard, but that we can just drown in your love. And that in that we will be able to love others. So Father, this Christmas and beyond, I pray that you will expand our capacity to love. Thank you for the love that is in this church. We pray that there will be more love in this church. And therefore, we pray that there'll be more Jesus in this church so that we can love. We can love our neighbours. We can love our family. We can love our enemies. We can love our world. So may we know your love, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.